Welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, we're joined by distance learning tutor Nathaniel Hammond. He shares his own very personal experiences of dealing with mental health and anxiety. We also touch on issues including suicide. If you need any additional help and support, I've put a link for the NHS website in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined again this evening by my good friend, colleague and mate, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Ben. And how's your week been this week? A good week. And we actually got together face to face. We had we had dinner together on Friday night. Uh, we did. It wasn't just you and I, though. It wasn't a romantic candlelit evening, was it? There, there, there was some romance. It wasn't candlelit and it wasn't just me and you. The romance came from, at first intuition, Gareth, our founder, who has been on the podcast, and most people who have come across First Intuition have heard Gareth. He runs what they call the 10-year club. If you've worked for FI for 10 years or more, a select group of people, he invites them all to a dinner. And it was my first time at the 10-year club. Dave, I think you've been in the 10-year club for a, a few years now. So I was welcomed into the 10-year club and we had a get-together and a dinner. And did you enjoy it then? I did. And and the romance comes from the love of First Intuition. Quite clearly, everybody there loves First Intuition, loves what we do, loves everything about the organisation. And it was brilliant. We had a really nice dinner. I had fish, a John Dory fish, which I was a bit sceptical of when I Googled it. Never Google your food before you go to a restaurant. If you see a picture of a John Dory when it's just been caught, it's quite an ugly fish. And then I was panicking, thinking, oh, no, when it comes, if it looks like that, I'm not sure I'm going to eat it. And it was lovely. It was white fish. It was really well cooked. And we had a lovely evening, didn't we? We did. And some delicious non-alcoholic cocktails. I think everyone indulged in because most people were driving that night. It was the the rail strike on Friday. A lot of people were driving anyway. So, yeah, everybody was non-alcoholic. And you got us all drinking some really nice non-alcoholic drinks. The orange one was delicious. I'm still not entirely certain what that was, um, which for someone that's just had non-alcoholic drinks all night, it's quite an embarrassing thing to not remember what I drank. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to be looking it up because it was delicious. You're absolutely right. How's your week going other than socialising with our, our colleagues at FI? What else have you been up to, Dave? Um, I, I, I did a day's teaching over the weekends, which was really nice to, um, to do some tax teaching, which is the ta- first time I've done tax teaching in quite some time. Um, and now it's just gearing up towards those ACCA exams coming up in a few weeks' time, the ICW exams coming up in a few weeks' time. And we've got lots and lots of AAT students that are all booking to take their exams. I think that everyone just kind of wants to get exams out of the way and finished, you know, in time for the summer holidays. So we can go away on holiday in kind of July, August time, which is, you know, what most people tend to be doing this time, uh, most people tend to be doing at the moment. I mentioned it before we came on air tonight. I went back to mine and Dave's old sixth form college. For regular listeners, you'll know we didn't actually go to college together. I think maybe there might have been an overlap, but we didn't know each other at school and college, but we did both go to the same sixth form college in Cambridge. I got invited back this week to go and speak to people. I also bigged up the podcast. If you're listening to this as somebody who's had the link from Hills Road, you are very, very welcome as a listener to the First Intuition podcast. 
But I was talking to the, the teacher that was showing me down the corridors and she said those immortal words. You can tell it's getting close to exam season because the weather's getting warm. People are now moaning about hay fever. All of those things that we hear every year in the run up to the June exams, trying to get them over the line before people have their, their summer break. So good luck if this is you listening to it. If this is a bit of light relief while you're doing your revision for your exams. Thank you for listening. Um, good luck. Stay calm and we wish you the best of luck for your upcoming exams. This evening, we've got a theme. We are recording this. It is the 17th of May 2023. And this week in the UK, we are in the midst of Mental Health Awareness Week. Dave, you're the one that's run point on organising our guest this evening. So I'm going to feel like a bit of a fraud if I introduce him. I can see him waiting there to say hello to everybody. But Dave, I'll maybe let you take over this bit. Thanks very much, Ben. Well, I just wanted to, to kind of um, just tell a bit more about Mental Health Awareness Week. So we know it happens every, um, every year around this time of year in May. And every year there is a theme. And the theme for this year is around anxiety. So um, I think that Ben, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I think that I can say that I feel anxious and I feel anxiety, you know, probably every week, if not every day around different things. So, you know, there are, you know, you know, there's anxiety in terms of work pressure, anxiety around are my students going to be doing the work that they need to do to pass their exam? If you are a student, there's anxiety around am I doing the right amount of study? Am I doing too much study, too little study? You know, there's anxiety around how is it impacting my work? There's anxiety around, you know, worrying about exam results. And you know, anxiety is one of the things that I think everyone feels. Um, but something that we've noticed is that you know anxiety is one of those things that can build and build and build and and can start to kind of intrude more into your life and and can start to cause problems for people. Um, so it, that, that's kind of the theme of of Mental Health Awareness Week. And something that I I really like to do on these weeks is um, I, I like to hear other people's experience. And I, I like to hear a little bit about um, where people maybe have had struggles with mental health or mental illness in the past. Um, hear a little bit about their journeys and hear a little bit about kind of what they've been able to do to try and overcome some of those struggles. And I think it's very easy for you and I, Ben, to talk about, oh, you know, if, to improve your mental health, you should go for a walk. Um, but I think that what I, I really like is just to shine a light on kind of what some of these struggles can actually feel like, because if you are struggling with your mental health, sometimes you don't realise what those things actually are. And there, there isn't really a guide to this is what illness feels like because it's unique to each person. So something that I did um, a little while ago is I put a message out onto our our intranet uh, and just asked if there was anyone that would like to or be prepared to share their stories. And, and Nat came back and said that he'd be happy to share his story, which is first of all, amazing. And, um, you know, really, really brave of him. So, um, you know, when, when I introduce Nat, if there are any questions that you don't want to answer, I'm more than happy if you say, I'm not, ha not happy to answer that and I'm, I'll move on. Um, but again, it's one of those things that my, my impression of Nat and that you know doesn't work directly for me is that um, I've seen him on on teams meetings okay and he always looks like a pretty together chap who you know is pretty on the ball he came second in our first intuition sweepstake okay which to me is you know he's a winner um, because he he took back it took some of the pot of money and 
you know, it, it, it just kind of shows that you don't recognise what's going on behind the scenes and you don't see what someone else's story is when, you know, you meet them, talk to them until you actually kind of open up. Uh, and that did that to me the other day and we had a lovely conversation. We're going to kind of replay some of that conversation this evening. So um, good evening, Nat. Welcome to the podcast after that very long introduction. Um, we're going to do your introduction slightly backwards. So um, normally we ask for people's backstories and their superhero origin story. And then, you know, we, we find out what they're doing. So but I'm going to start the other way. And just could you just introduce kind of who you are, what you currently do kind of at the moment at First Intuition? And then we'll kind of duck back a little bit into your past. Absolutely. So good evening, everybody. Um, obviously, my name is Nathaniel Hammond. Now we go by Nat for short because it's a little easier Um so my sort of current role at First Intuition, I work in the distance learning team as one of the tutors. I've been doing that job for around two and a half years now. Um, so perhaps going to match some people listening who are familiar with the DL aspects of what First Intuition do. And my sort of day-to-day role can be a mixture of different things, really, from sort of dealing with students via email or via phone calls to delivering live classes for AAT levels two to four. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. And it's you know, a great job that you guys do in distance learning. We, we hear students kind of all over the Internet commenting on how amazing you guys are. So, um, yeah, we, I, th- I think I speak for all the student community to say thanks for the, the work that you all do in distance learning, helping people get through their, their AAT studies. Uh, and so I, I put that message out and then you responded really, really kindly and really generously. Um, do you want to kind of set the scene a little bit for kind of if you kind of go back and you know tell me kind of what your experience was because I, I believe that in your family that there's been you know some or we've had some kind of experience of kind of mental illness and kind of like the, the the repercussions of that yes absolutely so for me personally like a lot of people that are perhaps listening I have had my own personal challenges uh, particularly revolving around anxiety and how that's impacted my, my personal life and my professional career at times as well. Um, and then equal to that, um, as just sort of alluded to, I have very fortunately uh, lost a couple of family members uh, due to mental illness, who are also very sadly no longer with us. Um, it was it was at a very young age for myself, um, but obviously that sort of ripple effect that sort of carries on from there is very much um, still felt, so to speak. So. Again, I've asked about my personal obstacles. Um, I'm very pleased to say that sort of the position I'm in now is a much more positive one than you know has been the case over the last few years. Um, and obviously, I'm, we'll go into that, sort of, perhaps the finer details of that experience uh, as we sort of go through this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And I think that that's something that you know, happened in your past. You say you don't have huge kind of recollections of it at the time. And I guess it's something that you probably, you know, begun to understand a bit more as you've kind of gone through your own journey but you know it, it is one of those things that there are you know there are families out there and many families out there that have been scarred by the loss of a loved one um through kind of mental illness and uh, and it, it's something that I hope we get more awareness about because you know and we understand you know what these things look like what they may feel like and you know where where the options are where the pathways are because you know, it's just heartbreaking. There are people that feel that their their only option is to end their lives, and that's something that you know I would hope through raising awareness and you know getting people talking about these things that is something that as a as a community across the world we can we can do something to help prevent those kind of things. But 
looking at you said you had your own struggles and what, what I'd kind of like to do is, is kind of as we as we talked the other day just kind of go through your experiences with um with kind of anxiety and what that kind of felt like and what it looked like for you and then I guess if we kind of like move through time and look at kind of how you sought treatment so when did you kind of I guess have your first kind of awakening or episode in terms of that kind of th th things that impacted your life yeah not a problem so for myself that first perhaps realization that there was something perhaps a, a little more serious going on that needed attention was around the age of 18 for myself uh, I had arranged to go on a holiday with some friends you know teenagers lads holiday uh, you know it sounded like a great idea um, lots of sort of excitement lots of build up to it um, and we sort of went on the holiday. It was supposed to be there for seven days. It wasn't anything particularly luxurious or anything over strenuous. It was uh, perhaps what many people would consider just a standard trip, really. Uh, but I very quickly found when I got there on the second day, I didn't feel particularly great. But then I was starting to find things like um, I was unable to sleep. I was unable to eat, feeling very nauseous if I tried to eat something. Um, you know, without be sounding uh, crude, I was being sick almost immediately. Um, sort of suffering a lot of cold sweats, which I just assumed at the time was, you know, maybe I'm just tired, maybe it's a bit of a stomach bug or something like that. But it was very, very different. Um, I think I knew myself that it wasn't quite that. And I ended up um, sort of struggling with this. And it was in the second day of the holiday where I'd been away with two or three of my friends who, you know, we've been friends since primary school. Um, you know, we all sort of got on very well. But again, we were only 18, perhaps not the greatest at communication with certain issues. I ended up uh, having to leave the holiday after a couple of days. Uh, I still lived at home at the time, had to sort of very courageously bring my mother up and say, can you please come and pick me up from Manchester Airport at three o'clock in the morning? Uh, it's quite to her surprise. I just had this idea in my mind that um, it's just homesickness. I'll get home and I'll, I'll feel so much better. That's all I need to do. Just, you know, fly back to the UK, go back home and you know, I'll feel absolutely fine and everything will be back to normal. Uh, but what I did find, however, is I had this quite um, stone in my stomach moment where I did finally get home, popped into bed, and I was waiting for that moment of relief. You know, I've made this big fuss. I finally got back home. You know, I've spent a lot of money. I, I, I feel fantastic now. And that moment never came. If anything, I actually felt worse. And it was sort of at that moment I thought, okay, this there's something more going on here. Um, in hindsight, it was just simply a lack of awareness for know what it was I was actually experiencing this idea of it was just a bit of homesickness it was clearly uh, a little bit more than that and that sort of for me uh, was the catalyst really that sort of set off um, sort of the chain of events over like the next decade or so perhaps about um, sort of coming to terms with you know um, what I was dealing with how I subsequently then tried to deal with that in future years and ultimately getting to that point where I am now where that sort of steepest hurdle so to speak um, you know managed to get over that so that was your, your kind of first experience and then uh, I guess at that point in time you didn't really have that awareness of what was happening so is there you know, did you kind of just kind of I guess they sit there and wait to get over it was that kind of the process or was there more to it then? Yes so my, um, my knowledge of you know what was actually affecting me was 
was essentially obsolete, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I can appreciate perhaps in education in school now is perhaps much more conscious about these things. At the time that I was at school, uh, you did sort of classic like citizenship. I'm not even sure citizenship is still a class that's ran anymore. It, it was never really discussed. It wasn't something that was um, as um, popular in sort of on social media or in sort of the mainstream news. So it was just simply a lack of awareness. I had this genuine belief that it was just a bit of homesickness and I'd sort of immediately whisk myself away and feel 10 times better. But obviously when I got to that point where that wasn't the case, um, again, at the time, um, I, I'll be completely honest, I had to lean on my mother again and just say, look, you know, there is perhaps something's not right. I still don't feel fantastic. Um, she was sort of the first person to say, okay, well, you know, we need this needs to be pursued further. Perhaps traditionally, um, it would have been a, a bit more just, you know, pull your socks up, just, you know, grit your teeth and try and get on with it. Um, but I think sort of the, uh, the situation, you know, um, she did appreciate that it needed a little more. So uh, that sort of, for me, meant sort of seeing my local GP, which, to be honest, again, at the time, if I was perhaps a bit more proactive, it might have saved me a lot of problems further down the line. It was, to be honest, quite a, a lukewarm conversation for five minutes and um, it take these tablets for two weeks and then it was never really mentioned again. Um, so, again, perhaps that was the first opportunity to address the issue properly, which you know, in hindsight, I didn't really do, I didn't really pursue it any further after um, I sort of prescribed those set of tablets. And again, that was like the, the first step, but obviously there's quite a few things along the way as well that had to just be adjusted for. Mm. I think that I remember when we um, when we spoke to Ginny, I don't know, Ben, if you remember this, Ginny did talk about, you know, the, the role that medication does have, um, but, you know, she felt that there was a, a more holistic treatment that you needed that wasn't just around that medication so and, and I think medication is probably the easiest thing to give someone um and uh, I think that there is a thought amongst people that oh if I get my medication I'll be fine um but I guess as you found out you were prescribed that medication you had that two-week course you know I, I assume life got back to normal a little bit over that time period yeah, it seemed to go back to some sort of normality. Um, you know, I sort of went back to my job at the time and then sort of fell back into a routine. But I think, like I said, it's a very, um, it was a very naive approach. The idea of, well, it's just like mental illness. It's an illness, you know, the same way you take antibiotics for two weeks and you're better and it's never an issue again. I perhaps quite foolishly thought that would be the case. Again, it wasn't perhaps communicated to me. I just had this idea of take these for a couple of weeks and then everything's sorted. And obviously it's, it's not something you need to be concerned about anymore. Obviously it was over time it became you know, apparent that that wasn't in fact the case. Yeah, yeah. I, and I guess then we, we kind of like look forward a little bit and, you know, uh, you had then kind of other incidents, I think, kind of surrounding work and, you know, impacting on that side of your life. So do you want to kind of talk through kind of like one of your other episodes? Absolutely. So in terms of sort of professional aspects, I'm very fortunate in the position I'm in now. Um, I've got a very supportive team and colleagues. Um, I'm very lucky in that respect. Um, so Perhaps to put into context my work experience, when I finished school at 16, I went straight into an apprenticeship doing business administration. And I stayed in that job for around eight years 
before I then moved into a different finance role. So I moved to a couple of other places. And then about three years ago, uh, three and a half, I beg your pardon, is I made the transition into the tutoring side of things through a local college and ultimately ended up here at First Intuition. So one real big challenge that I found and something that as, as I've now got, um, you know, more aware of, you know, how I respond to things is, um, it's changed. Um, I'm perhaps like a lot of people. I am a creature of habit with certain things um, and moving things outside of that comfort zone. For some people, it can be you know a bit of a bumpy road, but a relatively easy transition. Um, I've perhaps always found it that a little bit harder. And that is where I then start to have that anxiety coming in about you know struggling to eat, which of course has issues about maintaining your weight, uh, lack of sleep, and obviously all the implications that come with that. So what happened to myself is I got sort of backed into a corner a little bit at my first job. It was a good place to work. Again, I was very well looked after, but I'd been there for about eight years and I was 90% of the job was still the same thing I was doing when I was 16 years old. Now, at this stage of my life, I wanted to, to do more. You know, I was looking to buy a house, looking to sort of increase my responsibilities Essentially saying to myself, you, know, you 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 can't be doing this. So I was in this very difficult situation where I wasn't particularly happy with where I was currently working, but I was also finding it very challenging to take that step because I've never worked anywhere else. I hadn't experienced anything else. And the prospect of moving somewhere different and perhaps all the unknown elements of that, you know, are the people going to be nice? Are you going to like the job? Are you still going to have a job in 12 months? So all those anxieties sort of made it very, very difficult. But eventually I got to a point where uh, obviously I had to take the plunge and I sort of moved into what was like my second full-time job, which again, uh, the people I worked with were, were very, very nice. It was a good job. I was there for around 15 months before I moved on. And overall, it was a very, very good um, position to be in. I was very lucky to work there. However, I had um, a very incredibly difficult time um, transitioning in that sort of that first three-month period, which again, I'm sure as I'm saying that, a lot of people wouldn't find that uncommon. You know, the, the prospect of changing from one job to another has a lot of implications and, you know, saying that, oh, it's very stressful. I'm sure a lot of people would feel the same. What eventually happened to me is... Uh, I'd been there around, I believe it was just over a week uh, that I'd been there. And again, the, the first week had gone absolutely fine, meeting the new people, uh, learning about the new job role. And, you know, at work, uh, just doing the usual, putting on, you know, being very polite, being smiley. It's you know, sort of your first couple of weeks there. You want to give off that impression of everything's fine. I'm absolutely loving everything. Everything's brilliant. No problems. You know, you don't want to sort of upset the apple cart <laughs> that early on, so to speak. So... What ended up happening is uh, it was a Thursday night. I remember the day quite clearly, actually. Um, and it was just a, a, a usual evening. And I sort of just gone upstairs to, to take a shower. And I ended up sort of going into the bedroom to get ready. And um, I'm not really sure what set me off specifically, but I just sort of ended up sort of curled over the side of the bed, completely bawling my eyes out, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I was really, really struggling. And uh, my partner subsequently heard and she came upstairs to sort of see what was going on um, and again I sort of remember sort of being sort of hunched over the edge of the bed just saying I can't do it I can't go back I don't want to do it anymore I don't want to you know I don't want to feel like this anymore and it probably lasted for a good 60 minutes of just sort of being hunched over sort of like almost like a completely mobile and just like the, I couldn't 
face the prospect of going back, but I couldn't face the prospect of not going back. I felt like I, you know, I just didn't have any options. And it was just, I sort of very vividly remember saying that you know, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, you know, and it was really, really challenging um, because I felt personally like I was doing something wrong because, again, I hadn't, not a lot had actually happened to, to sort of set me off. Again, I'd been welcomed in the new role. Everybody was very polite. So I felt like, you know, a lot, a lot of pressure on myself. Why do you feel this way? Why do you feel so stressed out about all these things that you perceive as issues? And it did, unfortunately, just accumulate into what, would, what I would essentially regard as a breakdown. Um, now, I did take the following day off work, but ultimately then uh, on the Monday morning, I was straight back in. And again, in hindsight, not the correct thing to do. I didn't say anything. Um, it was just... Oh, everything, yeah, everything's fine. Uh, just, you know, I've had a bad stomach on the Friday. So I lied about, uh, you know, what the actual reason I was off for was, um, which, again, in hindsight, probably wasn't the wasn't the best thing to do. Mm, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I know that we, you know, we always talk about, you know, from, our, from you know, our point of view, Ben, kind of about kind of signposting people and pointing people, you know, towards various different avenues of help. But I think with those kind of issues where we don't have the vocabulary to be able to talk or we don't know what the issue is, it's very hard to actually say, this is what the issue is, this is what the problem is, to be able to get that signposted help. And I know that, you know, you and I, Ben, are always, you know, pointing people in the direction of various different agencies that can help. But yeah, it's, it's you know, from your perspective, your employer probably thought, oh, yeah, he had some dodgy food on Thursday, meant he can go to work on Friday, he's back to work as normal. So uh, I guess if we, if we then move forwards a little bit, what, what was kind of like the, the, the next issue? Because at the moment, we've got something that's recurred, you know, something's happened, you know, a couple of times. And, you know, at, at the moment, there's, you know, I guess that there's no real strategy in place to try and break the cycle or change it so you know what kind of what happened next and then you know what changes would have happened or what changes happened as a result yeah of course so I probably did what again a lot of people have done when they've had sort of similar episodes and similar situations I had looked at some sort of different things that could or could be of help but didn't really pursue them to the fullest and perhaps just didn't utilize them uh, sort of to the maximum effect so for example I uh, you know, when I was experiencing this, I did sort of go through like the usual system of the, the NHS, who generally will refer you to Mind Matter. Um, so again, I did go through uh, that process at that stage, which um, I did find helpful, but I still found it wasn't um, perhaps enough uh, for me personally just to sort of completely overcome it. It, it was almost like sort of plastering over a crack, so to speak. It was a good sort of like a, a, a present solution, but maybe not a, a long term one. I think the sort of the big changing point for me were um, I realized that I had to do you know, something else, you know, something had to, had to change in that respect was um, probably around a, a couple of years ago where uh, I had basically had a breakdown in sort of my, my personal life and uh, my personal relationship, which was sort of all very, very self-inflicted um, about, you know, how I, you know, how I thought I was capable as a, um, as a partner, as a as a stepfather, as a provider, as a person in my sort of career, um, all of a sudden I just woke up one day and decided that all the walls were sort of closing in on me. And um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really, I believed I didn't really know uh, what I wanted. I just felt like uh, there was a loss of 
a loss of identity, really. Um, I know, for example, when sort of people talk about you know how they feel when they sort of struggle with things like depression and use that term, well, I don't really feel anything. Um, sort of similar to that to a degree, I just felt like it's quite rudderless, to be honest. I, I felt like I had no direction. I didn't really know what I was doing. But of course, the the knock-on effect of that was, you know, the people close to me who, you know, um, were being very much affected by me saying, well, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to live in this house or if I want to do these things. And again, that, you know, sort of pulled people into something where, um, you know, again, I was being quite self-destructive in that respect. And it did get to a point where, um, so something just had to click, something had to slot into place for me to say, look, you've done a, a couple of these things before. Again, you've tried so doing it through like, the NHS, um, but you have to pursue this now. This has to be not necessarily the end point, because um, as I'm sure we'll perhaps talk about but these challenges, you can never perhaps say they are truly gone. But that was the catalyst to say this has to be the changing point now, this sort of pattern of, um, a year okay and a, a very difficult period and you know it has to change something has to improve so it was at that point for me um you know I was very fortunate that I was in a position where I could pay for private therapy um now I can appreciate that that unfortunately isn't an option that everybody can utilize at times um again I was very fortunate in the situation uh, that I was able to do that um, and that was for around six months. And um, for me personally, I think that was the sort of like the final piece of the puzzle that just helped really slot everything into place um, in terms of like how I understand myself, how I regulate myself, how I can sort of maintain myself going forward. Um, so certainly for me, that was like the again that that final piece of the jigsaw, so to speak. So, and that was something that you you sought out yourself. And effectively, you you purchased that service yourself, and and what why do you think that made a difference to you? What was the what did that do for you that you know wasn't there before? Do you think? Absolutely. So for me personally, again, um, I sort of did a bit of research about who to go to. Um, you know, it's it's almost like a blind date, so to speak. You have a thirty minute conversation with, with with one individual. They will talk to you about. Um, you know, what they're doing and, you know, what they think they could do for you. And then you'd have, you know, a, another 30 minute conversation with somebody else in, in, in the local area. And eventually um, I spoke to an individual who was actually relatively close to me, um, uh, just, just lives perhaps only three or four miles down the road, to be honest, um, who, again, he was um, sort of qualified therapist. He'd been doing it for a very long time. And when I had the conversation with him, um, you know, I'm sort of talking about, you know, going through the usual why, you know, why have you reached out? What do you want to get out of this? Um, you know, I, I was very, he was the only one that said to me, what what can, what what do you expect from me? You know, what do you think I can give you out of this process? Um, I thought that was quite an important point for me. I think, um, you know, I can appreciate again, um, you know, the sort of mental health services can be quite stretched and challenged at times. I think you know, sometimes people do feel it can be a little bit impersonal. Um, you know, it's if you are giving somebody through that sort of public service, that is the individual that you have. Um, so sometimes it sounds like a square peg in a round hole. It might sort of facilitate a job. But again, when I spoke to um, my therapist, who was a, a gentleman called Patrick, again, he was very sort of keen to say, well, what do you expect from me? What do you see um, sort of me offering you in terms of, Therapy, because it's quite a big term, I suppose, when you use it, um, you know, because they can cover such a, a, a wide array 
of you know sort of different things really um you know uh, so it was very interesting to sort of get him to talk about what I expected so it was almost like he was interviewing me just as much as I was sort of speaking to him about it so um you know for me that was um, sort of like the best fit and then in terms of like what he offered again it was he was it sounds like perhaps a little bit obvious but it was always sort of reverted back to myself it was about sort of challenging my beliefs sometimes challenging my perception about what I thought was going to happen uh, naturally I'm a bit of a worrier I'm a bit of a planner I sort of like to have everything not necessarily down to the minute but um, you know I do like to have things sort of very regimented and very organized and of course there are elements in life that just can't work that way and it was about coming to terms with things that you can control, things that you can't control, and sort of just sort of doing like things like reality checks, understanding, um, you know, if something happens. Because I used to have sort of like an anxiety around traveling, and I go to the airport. Well, what if my car breaks down? What if the uh, I don't get through checking quick enough? What if the plane's delayed? What if my taxi doesn't? And I just write this perpetual list of problems. Um, and again, it's about sort of just bringing it back to the reality and sort of going through it step by step. So I found it, it was a long process. It, was, it wasn't necessarily an easy process, um, but, you know, it did certainly um, have a lot of benefits for me personally. Excellent. And how long was the process? Yeah, so for myself, it was around six months. And it was actually got to a point where my therapist, Pat, uh, Patrick, actually said to me that I actually don't think you need to come anymore. He was quite keen to sort of say, you know, we've been through these things in like, the last perhaps weeks that we had been in these sort of sessions. He felt like, you know, the overall trajectory was much more positive. There were sort of less issues. And he felt like it was at a point where, um, it was a time to essentially cut ties. It's one of those where um, they sort of say, well, I hope to never see you again, because that means that you know, I've done my job correctly. Um, I am pleased to say um, that, you know, again, that after that last session, um, of course, that help is still available if needed, but I haven't needed uh, to utilise that option. So that was kind of six months, and Patrick then says, I don't feel I need to see you anymore. Um I mean, I guess for, for listeners out there that, that, that are listening, you know, does that mean that you know, that's it, your treatment's over, you're cured? Or does it mean something different? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to say that, yes, it's it's cured. And I can sit here and talk about it and promise you that for you know, however long I'm left on, on this good earth, I'll never have uh, any problems again. But I think, it, obviously, the reality is it doesn't work that way. And for me personally, that was a big obstacle to overcome. Um, you know, I think it's very natural when you are sort of experiencing these problems, experiencing these issues. You, you just want it to stop. You know, you, 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 you give anything and you do anything just to not have to go through it and not have to deal with it. And I, I very much felt like that. And I always remember feeling so frustrated with myself um, that, you know, why, why do you feel this way? Why can't you just drop it and, and move on and it was again a part of the process was about acceptance which at face value can be perceived as quite negative when you're saying to somebody well you are probably still going to have bouts of depression you are probably still going to feel stressed and anxious in your life and you know you sort of initially believe that you can go to an individual or again take medication and it just resolves the issue but it, it, it certainly doesn't and that was a, a big obstacle for me coming to terms with you know the, the place i'm in now is much much better to the point where obviously i can sort of sit here with you guys and sort of talk about it very openly which again is something previously 
um, you know, he could have paid me to do it. He felt like it would be such an insurmountable thing for me to do. Um, but it's also having the the awareness. Um, so he always used to use the analogy of sort of a car driving down the road. Um, you know, your sort of your brain is the engine. It will continue to run, and you will continue to sort of get to your destination. But occasionally, if you don't look after it, something will go wrong. And I think that was the um, sort of the big point for me understanding. It's about accepting that you know you might experience these difficult periods. Um, but it sort of you always used to use the example of hurdles as well. You know, what you will find is you will still face these hurdles in life, but if you sort of put into practice the things that you know you've worked on, you'll find that every time that hurdle gets a little bit smaller and that that sort of challenge, it might not be, it might not last as long, it might not be as difficult for you. And again, each time these sort of hurdles in your life come up, they will just get that little bit smaller. But as you sort of alluded to, it doesn't necessarily mean they will disappear completely. And I think that's something that that um, some of our contributors that, that, that are kind of live here today have commented that, um, you know, either themselves personally or people that they know are, you know, have got a, a treatment plan for um, for kind of a, an underlying kind of a, a, I would assume from the from the um, from the context of mental health issue, but it may well be some other kind of medical issue, um, whereby you know medication is necessary in order for them to to alleviate those those issues, and you know that is something that you know some people will have to take medication, you know forever as you would for any medical condition i think we talked about you having prescribed medication for a period of time but you know some people that 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 treatment may last you know for an entire lifetime and you know i guess from your point of view those strategies that you've learned from your therapist you'll be using those forever and there is no guarantee that things won't happen again but i guess through talking about it and through knowledge means that you have got an idea of the kind of things you should do and you know i, I would you know personally hearing your story I, I would say that you know thanks to your mum because you know your mum was the one when it first happened that said you should go and see your GP and you know I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of people of my parents generation that would say I needed to get over it and get on with it rather than you know you need to see a GP because something's not quite right here and so you know I think that you know taking that first step and then going through that journey to find you know the the, the strategies that you now have to help you you know, hopefully this won't recur in the future. But as you said, there are no guarantees. Um, and I think that when you're in that position where you are, you know, you, you don't have those kind of issues at the moment. That's where I think some of those self-care things that we always talk about. I think that's where they come in. It's, you know, you know are you exercising regularly? Are you eating properly? Are you drinking lots of water? Are you keeping yourself you know, mentally active? Are you talking about things with friends? All of those things that we know are good and positive for mental health. I think you do them while you're healthy. But I, I'm assuming when you know you were you know bent over double in tears with your partner, if your partner would have said eat an apple and go for a walk, you're probably not the right kind of treatment to offer you. Absolutely, it would. Uh, I could completely agree how much that would have impacted on uh, sort of main effects at that point probably would have been relatively minimal to be fair and but I think it's a really really good point and um, sort of to bring it back to what you said about like the medicine side of it the sort of the self-care I believe is a form of medicine now again some people will tip, um, be prescribed certain things and again I think it's it's everybody's business uh, or everybody's private business I should say and I think there's absolutely 
um, no shame in it. There's no stigma around it. Um, you know, I think, okay, you don't have to go around telling people about it if you choose not to, but I also don't believe you should feel like you are doing anything wrong or anything lesser because you need them. Um, you know, I think it's, it's completely um, natural and it's completely normal at times just to need that little boost. And again, I think the self-care side of it, um, absolutely, um, it is a form of medicine in its own right. Um, and that is, again, for me personally, that is a side that I have had to work on because I think I was very guilty. Maybe other people have felt the same where, again, you'd have a difficult period. You'd start doing some things to sort of, you know, try and lift yourself and feel a little bit better, which works. And then you start to feel a bit better. So you stop doing the things that got you into that place. And shock horror, you eventually find yourself back in a bit of a rut again uh, a few weeks down the line. So, again, that was a big challenge for me, um, which, again, fortunately, I'm, I'm perhaps more active now uh, than I've ever been. And that includes when I used to, uh, like when you're at school, I used to play in like a few uh, sports teams, but I'm perhaps more active now. Um, again, very conscious about sort of my physical health, um, again, sort of my mental health, just taking those sort of those respites. Um, and I think, again, they, are, they aren't cures, but again, I think with situations like this, because mental health is such a complex topic, you know, you could have a, um, a show for, for days talking about all the finer points of it and you've, you've ability to create the surface. It's such a complex issue that affects people in such unique ways. So because of that, there isn't the a tried and tested solution, which I think we all want there to be. You know, that's what I wanted. I wish it was just something that I could do that would solve this problem for me. And then, you know, everybody else would just be fine as well. I um, mean, you know, it's such a unique um, thing and it affects us all in all, in, in all these specific ways. So I think a, a big part of it is about understanding yourself and being realistic with yourself, what your strengths are, what your limitations are. Um, you know, perhaps I wouldn't use the word weaknesses because a limitation is something that we can always work to improve on. Um, and again, sort of those checking in those self-care routines, I think um, you know, when you're in a position where you feel you can implement them, the challenge of consistently doing it, it, it is challenging, but I think the reward is, it is absolutely massive. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Matt. Uh, uh, Nat, even. Um, we um, are really up against time. So I, I, it's, I could have stayed here talking to you for kind of another uh, another half hour or so, but I'm afraid time is against us. Um, one of the things that I, I just want to share with our listeners, because I know the people that are watching live here um, are, are kind of aware of it, but in, in our chat box, so we've had several people that have been sharing some kind of very personal experiences. And you know, I, I I kind of tend to think that, that that's because of the subject matter we're talking about today, because Nat, you've been so open, it's allowed people to share those kind of things. And, you know, I, I know that there are people in this room that have been in these forums, listening to us recording the podcast for, you know, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. And I know them as an AAT student or an ACCA student that's taken a tax exam or that's taken an audit exam. And I know they're their profile in terms of the things that they've studied but I had no idea about those other things that were going on in their lives and you know I, I'm you know very very thankful for those people that shared um, shared their experiences today in the chat box very thankful for you Nat for doing the same and it just shows that if you are open and you're you're talking about these kind of problems these kind of mental health issues it, it helps other people to talk about them as well so thank you very, very much for joining us, Nat. Um, hopefully you can join us again at some point in the future, um, maybe to talk about accountancy. I don't know. <laughs>
Absolutely. But yeah, um, it's, it's been my my pleasure. And like you said, um, it's, it's been great to see so many people sort of interacting in the chat box as well and sort of share. And I think that's perhaps would, would be my uh, perhaps finishing point, so to speak, is just that speak about it. Don't be afraid. You'd be absolutely amazed at how much of a platform you can give to yourself and to others by just being brave enough to take that first step and just say, you know what, I'm really struggling at the moment. Um, again, you'd be amazed at how much that can help yourself and again just open a platform for other people as well um but yeah it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you very much no problem at all and i'm going to leave it to to our friend ben just to sign off for the evening thank you from me now i've I've sat back listening to all of that takes enormous courage to come on and talk through personal experiences so thank you um i agree with that reaching out for help you mentioned talking to partners, family members, your mum. I know that's incredibly hard. You mentioned also employers. Me and Dave work with a number of employers that support our students. And I don't know a single one of them that I don't come across that wouldn't be supportive of one of their team that were genuinely struggling. So please don't see that as a sign of weakness. I've put a link in the chat box for the live students to the NHS. A lot was taught this evening about going to your GP, persevering with that, getting an appointment, talking to them. The NHS is a great service. Um, Be very careful of just randomly Googling stuff on the internet. The NHS is a tried and tested source. Their Every Mind Matters resources are fantastic. And I'll make sure the link for that is also in the podcast show notes. You've also got a fabulous team at First Intuition. You've got tutors, you've got coaches, you've got designated safeguarding teams that are also here to help support and signpost you to external people that can can really give you the help you need. Um, Thank you all for listening. Studio audience tonight, thank you for coming to the live session. Podcast listeners, please continue to download, share this link with other people that you think would benefit from listening to it. I will say thank you and we'll speak to you again on another episode of the First Intuition Student Podcast Forum.